and we're back for the first time in 2021. Man, it's been a little while. Uh, I have to say I was hoping to get back at towards the end of January, but um, it is what it is. We've had a move, a new studio. Uh, some things have changed. Some things are still the same. It's uh, the same blue channel at the same blue time. Uh, what has changed, obviously, we're going to get a series of new guests on the line this series. And um, I guess the, the, the biggest change right now is the fact that uh, I'm wanting to include some of our listeners. So uh, my next guest is actually a, uh, a little bit of a guinea pig, um, but I've, I've, I've worded him up about it and he's quite happy. Um, but yeah, so I, I just, uh, during this time off, I've discovered an app called Clubhouse, um, which is really kind of cool. And I suggest that if people aren't on it, they get on it. And if you get on it, you find the uh, blue corner and uh, give it a follow. Um, it basically allows like-minded people to discuss various topics. And, and, and I guess no topic is offhand. Um, and the thing that surprised me the most is that there's a real etiquette on how people chat on this platform, right? I, I, I thought, you know, if you get like 30-odd people in the same room, they're just going to talk over the, one, uh, over the top of one of another. But it's not the case. It's actually it's actually kind of nice. So um, I've asked my next guest to join Clubhouse. I think he's going to join in the next twenty four hours or so. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, but look, let's get back to it, and 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 we'll get straight into it. So the person that I've invited um, for the first episode of this year is uh, a guy I actually wanted to get in last year, but you know time kind of ran out, and I'm I'm kind of glad it did in a sense because now we actually got something really cool to talk about. Um, you know, he's a black belt, uh, I believe, under uh, the legacy BJJ. Uh, obviously, we spoke to Tiago last series. Um, he runs his own MMA gym, uh, Cariotti MMA. And, uh, you know, he's, he's now uh, putting his hand up for a pro boxing fight. And that is obviously the, uh, the cool thing that uh, I really wanted to talk to him about. But I'm talking about none other than Alex Cariotti himself. Um, how have you been and how has the start of 2021 been treating you? Man, honestly, pretty good. Uh, January always for gyms is, is typically a, a pretty good time. Everyone decides after New Year's that they're going to jump back into the gym and get to training. So I kind of gear up and I get really excited to see all the new faces. But I kind of what surprised me this year is we had a lot of fighters, people who want to fight or people who were fighting from other gyms come to our team. So January saw actually a, a turn in the competitive team in a, in a big way, which I didn't expect. So that in itself is just super exciting for me. And, and how have you found businesses uh, like, I guess, come about now? Because I know obviously, you know, there, there was a period where all gyms were shut last year. Uh, and then even when they reopened, I think people were a little hesitant because, you know, I mean, some people are obviously uh, big on the hall, wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, and then you go to a gym. And, and especially in the BJJ sense, I guess, uh, you're not only, um, you know, not wearing a mask, you're getting quite comfortable with one another. Um, so do you find that's affected business in any sense? Um, no, nah, we had the opposite effect. So when the gym uh, opened, people were tearing down my door to get back inside. Uh, my guys couldn't have cared less. I know it's it's... We, did, we followed all the restrictions. We kept the class numbers down. We did the sanitizing, the change room rules. But my guys were killing each other to get on the mats. Even when we did short intervals to keep the group down low, guys were trying to get in every session they could. My guys just want to train. So they, were, they weren't fussed about it. Like, uh, like I said, we didn't, we didn't uh, test the rules. But if they could have, my guys would have. I, I guarantee you that. They couldn't have cared less. But having said that, have you implemented any new rules to the gym, or is it because I, I when when people from overseas talk to me now, I'm like, we are pretty much back to business, right? Yeah. Like I, I, I honestly like, I mean, I don't even know now. I haven't even looked at the stats anymore, but I don't even think we've had a case in a, in a nah, long while. Like almost thirty days now. Um, so essentially, we just always followed the the government restrictions. So sign in, sign out. Two people in the change room. Thirty people on the mats. It's, it's, it's stupid to try social distancing when we're going to grapple. It didn't even make sense. I think our kind of gyms fell in this little loophole where we didn't we, we didn't operate like weights gyms. We didn't operate like other recreational activities. So I think we were never managed correctly anyway. To say you can have any amount of people per class when we're on top of each other, it's like watching people sanitize their hands before and after class after they've just been grappling seemed so ridiculous to me. But 
we we just did what we had to do and honestly like i said the business went up so I know not every business can say that, but I think for a lot of martial arts gym, it actually worked out better for us, which is a which is an odd predicament. And have you ever um, had a scare? Nah, we got nothing on our end. Absolutely nothing. We didn't even get um, any members, friends or family that had it. I think really like the numbers considered the size of the people in our state or country are actually really low. And when you compare it to other countries, we did fantastically well. And you know people who got it, but we had nothing uh, local. And, and and what, you personally know someone who, who's had it? Yeah, yeah. So I knew, I knew a few people, three people who got it. Um, they said it just was a really rough week of sickness and then they started coming good. They just said the cough was horrendous. They said it hurt bad, bad, and they felt like trash. But some of they none of them even gave it to their own family, so I guess we got lucky. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, I had a friend in Vegas, the same thing. He he finally got it, and uh, he was talking about that. You know, it, it was the first three days. He was like, it was like death around the corner, yeah. right? Like he he literally said, like he he felt like he was gonna die. Yeah. The fever was high, but then he said, like by the end of the week, he said like that whole smell and taste thing was a little bit you know still lingering around but he, he, he at the end he goes mate if if i can sign up for one of those um you know where they actually inject you with the virus and they pay you like eight thousand dollars so they can yeah. do the studies he's like sign me up he's like i'll do it like which is kind of crazy but i mean it's it, it's just we live worlds apart on 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 that i guess yeah, right and he's not really the type that's at risk right so my friends that got it exercise and they're fighters or whatever they were never going to have a big problem out of it they're not the people that are making up the bulk of the statistics yeah, hundred percent, and that's what I said to Eric when he came on. I, I said it, it really shows that you know, um, you know, having good health because I, I find that people that mo same thing over there, you know, like they're pro athletes, and he said, you know, for the guys that got it, he he said it really wasn't that much of an issue at all. Nah, otherwise the deaths would be ten times the amount, right? So anyway, let, let let's talk a little bit more about you. We'll we'll get straight to the to the point as well. Um, you know, uh, you you obviously were a former podcaster by yourself. Um, you know, you you've decided to give that a little bit of a rest. Yeah. Uh, you know, what what was your experience with that? Oh, just so fun. There's it, nothing like. Um, you know, what I love the most about it. I had general intrigue about people that uh, you have questions about individuals you never really get to ask in in genuine conversation so when you get them for an hour and a half on a seat i actually got to delve into a lot of things i'd always wanted to know particularly with my own coaches when i sat down with even tiago or eddie or whatever i got to just ask some stuff that i just always wondered so i would actually sit there so intrigued just to listen to the stories so i was for an hour and a half i was locked in there i was fully locked in i was enjoying it i, I can't wait to do it again see and, and that's kind of what i like about this right like I, I i try to get different guests each week and and like i as i said to you before we jumped on i really don't have an agenda when it comes to this kind of stuff i like to just have a general conversation and sometimes you know the conversations kind of go where you 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 thought they might but then yeah. other times like they just go left field and and i'm happy to go along yeah. with that right i i, I yeah. really enjoy the fact that it just becomes this general conversation yeah. of two minds that kind of meet in the middle sometimes they don't i guess yeah. i don't know but um, so where did your, I guess, journey start? And, and, and you know, obviously, as, as I said in the intro, like, you know, you're, you're a black belt in BJJ. Um, so I'm assuming that was probably your start at some point. No, no? not even close. Not even close. Um, start was, first black belt was Taekwondo when I was a kid. So I did my first five years in Taekwondo, got my black belt in that. Um, as soon as I finished uh, with Taekwondo, I moved actually straight into almost 11 years of fencing. Um, and I did that very, very high competitive, very, like I did, uh, world championships. I did about 12 world cups. I went to the Commonwealth championship. I was on the national team for, I think almost five years. So that was, I tried to do that as, as high level as possible internationally. Then from there I switched into, uh, jujitsu, boxing, kickboxing, everything. So let's, let's peel it back though. Fencing. Yeah. Like what originally got you interested in that? Because I always find, I mean, I don't know much about fencing, but I kind of find it a little bit of a quirky sport, right? Very, very. But I wasn't allowed to do boxing when I was a kid because I was obsessed with boxing from when I was a little kid, obsessed with it. Um, my room was full of boxing books. I had Ali signed poster, you name it. 
So every chance I would get, I would try a box, but my parents said no on the boxing front because they knew if I if I boxed, I'd want to fight because I all I did was fight with my brothers and my friends and everything. Not in a bad way, just if my friends ever wanted to rumble or put on gloves, I'd be the first to do it. So fencing was, an, was a way of doing a combat sport and it was a way of doing an individual sport because I hated team sports to, to death when I was a kid, really hated them. So the kind of two married together and I ended up kind of excelling in it. And so I always did boxing in the background, but my parents never let me really dive into it the way I wanted to. And was it ever like a goal to try to go Olympics with, with the fencing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, by the time I got to 21, I had to make that decision if I was going to try for the next Olympic run. Um, but because of the way things were, the costs involved, um, the time it was going to take, um, I didn't, I, my heart wasn't in it enough to put in what it was going to take to make it. That's the truth. After I did my last world championship, then I went to India for the Commonwealth Championships. And then I did my last nationals. I had a bit of a blowout with the New South Wales Federation, which didn't help me. So everything was in a bit of a sour note. And I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. And when I walked away from it, I just never came back ever. I just kind of turned my back on it for good. Crazy, crazy. Mm. And then you say you, you, you came across to BJJ. Yeah, um, so obviously the first thing everyone does when I was in high school is you watch UFC. So my friend says, hey, there's this there's this Brazilian guy who wears a gi or he wears a kimono or whatever, karate outfit, and he's beating the shit out of everyone. We all watch it together and think, need to practice this stuff. So we're all wrestling on the ground trying to figure out this jiu-jitsu thing. We thought when you put someone in your guard, you squeeze them really tight with your legs and that's what he must be doing. So we're full into that. Um, and then what happened was I started uh, kickboxing. Um, and then maybe two, three months into that, I booked myself an MMA fight. I hadn't done any grappling before. I just figured it would be a great idea because I watched it on TV. Um, so my friend who was a white belt at the time decided in his lounge, he would give me a lesson on how to do triangles and, and a basic, I think it was maybe a sweep from full guard. So I rocked up to VT1 after doing, I think, two lounge room sessions and told Liam, the owner, I said, look, I've got a fight booked for next weekend for two weeks time. And he's like, okay, where have you been training? I was like, oh, I haven't been training. He's like, okay, so like, what's your plan? Like, how are you going to get your training in order for the fight? I was like, well, that's why I'm here. He's like, you do realize two weeks isn't enough to get you ready. I was like, nah, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. He's like, you sure? I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be fine. Thank God the event fell through thank god so i did three jiu-jitsu classes and went in a jiu-jitsu competition that weekend instead and i got obliterated i got subbed in the first minute and then after that i was like all right i'm gonna do this jiu-jitsu stuff and that's what started actually i was waiting for liam to say so who's your coach and you're like oh, oh just a mate like mate, yeah he's landing a white belt right so i mean it's kind of crazy i mean but you you have had um obviously an mma fight since then if obviously that got cancelled like was it all that you thought it would be cracked out to be so like obviously you know people always go in and i guess even with your friend right like we 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 always have these people i guess that have got that advice and this and that but yeah. like it's just different once you actually step in there it's different i mean i would even say with the whole uh page van zant experience right like she was talking about like um potentially getting hit by shins and 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 kicks you know when people were asking her like have you ever been punched by bare knuckles and she's like well i've i've been hit by shins and stuff mm. but i felt like that first fight she had she was kind of a little lost until the last round right and i and i feel like it was a case of that she was getting hit with stuff she hadn't been hit before and it took her, I guess the first four rounds to really kind of understand like okay this is what it is now so going back to your first experience was it was it what you thought it would be um what were kind of some of the thoughts going into it and 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 yeah as I say what what was your first kind of 30 seconds like yeah look I think on that topic with Paige if you look at you can't be, uh, even if you're a great boxer, if you fight a bare knuckle boxer who's only bare knuckle box, you're going to have a lot of trouble with him. Look at Artem Lobov, who's fought in always little gloves, versus Paulie Malinaji, who is a world champion in pro professional boxing. Paulie, and the thing, Artem beats him. Like, it, it doesn't work that strictly. So when I've competed, I, obviously, fencing for 10 years, and I did boxing fights, kickboxing fights, jiu-jitsu, and I figured it would all marry together and it would just come out. It doesn't. MMA is its own its own thing completely. The The mindset when you're in there is a lot more aggressive than I have in any of the other disciplines, particularly jiu-jitsu and boxing. I try to be very calm. MMA, I felt very aggressive, almost like in danger in there. So I needed to be the alpha in there, which I've never really had that as much in combat sports. Um, 
there was also that fear of when he, the punches started throwing of how small the gloves really were. I really got a sense when the when the sh when he hit me with the first one. So the fight started was I opened with a head kick, but I kicked him in the neck, so it was a bit too low. He chased me. I caught his kick. I dropped him with the right hand, and I got on top trying to consolidate the position. And he started hammer fisting me really hard in the side and actually the back of the head. And he hammer fisted me so hard in the back of the head, I almost went out in his guard. So when I came, can I, when I re, like orientated myself, you'll see in the video, if you ever watch it on YouTube, I stopped for a I've few seconds. I've seen it. I've, yeah, yeah, I've watched it. It takes me like a few seconds to be like, where, where, where am I? And then I realized in that moment, I don't want him hitting me ever again with those little gloves. And then from then on, I did everything I could to make sure he didn't fucking touch me for, for, the, for the next two rounds. But it was a, it was a feeling of survival in there. I never felt that in any, anything I've ever competed in. But once I felt like, man, one shot, he could put me out. I started to go to, there's, there's no room for mistake going on, like from here on in. And it just changed me to a super aggressor, which I'm normally not in fights. See, I, I can totally agree. Cause when, when I jumped in, it was the same thing, right? Like we're talking about survival mode. Um, when people always ask what the experience was like, I mean, mine was totally different in the sense of that I went in there I always say I, I wanted to touch gloves and I wanted to dance a little bit, right? And obviously my opponent had a different um, yeah. a different strategy. He was like, yeah, we'll touch gloves, but I'm going to throw yeah. straight after, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he's literally like clocked me one. And, and the sensation I got out of that um, was literally, I, I felt like a vac. I always say it was like a vacuum. Um, and even to the point, like, I, I didn't even know ref was in there anymore. It was yeah. like literally a, a, a kind of like wide white padded walls for me yeah. and it was me and him that's it yeah. like i i don't remember anything else yeah. um the crowd was gone everything was and, yeah. and that's what i talk about survival mode it was like literally i'd been clocked that hard probably concussed i don't know yeah. but it was like literally all my senses disappeared apart from my eyes that's yeah. it like i just could like everything else wasn't even there yeah. anymore right and it wasn't until i i submitted him with the anaconda which will impress you i guess uh but it wasn't until then and the ref pull, pulling me off him um that then all of a sudden like the crowd cheering and stuff came back like yeah. a tidal wave it was like a slow right and it was but like for for that you know i won't say split second it was really like i go this must be like what survival mode is right like you're literally in this zone that yeah, you just immediately uh, hone out anything that doesn't assist your immediate needs. Your immediate needs is to focus on the individual in front of you, so your mind just blocks out anything else that's not relevant at the time. The only reason I definitely knew the ref was there was because he was in my ear calling me a, calling me a lot of really bad names, and at one time I thought he was going to bite my ear because <laughs> I was in his full guard and he's screaming in my ear calling me a coward and a bitch he's out telling me to be a man and do all this stuff like it was pretty bad so i looked up at the ref and i was like are you gonna do something about this <laughs> because i honestly he was growling in my ears so i thought he was gonna bite me and i thought what a weird turn that would be so there, i i i only knew the ref was there because i was kind of trying to like see if he was gonna stop the guy trying to abuse me for whatever reason i think he was getting upset that it was on the ground that i wasn't standing back up and he was trying to taunt me into standing back up but the way we got to the ground was I punched him in the face and he fell on his back. It's not like I took him down. So I didn't really get that plan of his, but it was a very odd experience for a fight. Plus for you also, being a black belt, you're probably more comfortable on the ground anyway, right? But to be honest, I, I felt comfortable everywhere in that fight. I really had it in my mind that I wanted to submit him because I'd done so many striking fights. Um, it just it was my intention of that fight was to go in there submit i even said it in the post fight interview that's what i wanted to do that was my goal um yeah i like i think it was good of him to take that fight in the first place and i kind of had it in my mind like he had nine fights i had zero fights but i didn't want to knock him out i know it sounds bad but at the time i was competing pure jits and i wasn't even sparring at all any striking because I, I was in this phase where i wasn't really happy with punching people in the face so I had the Damien Meyer mentality in that fight that I wanted to try finish it with doing as little damage to him as possible, actually. So the idea was always to choke him from the start. Crazy. And so like now, obviously, because you, you, you kind of do all facets of combat sports, um, obviously, as you mentioned, you, you, you know, have done a lot of BJJ comps, um, You've had your MMA fight. You're obviously, uh, e even though we're going to talk about your pro boxing debut, which is coming up at the end of the month, you've obviously had a lot of amateur fights. Yep. Um, in regards to preparation, um, is it same 
same same for everything or, or like what are some no, of the major close. yeah so that, that that's kind of where i'm going with it is like what what are the, some of the differences like for, for you getting ready for say a bjj comp compared to like an mma fight compared to now a boxing fight oh i don't say now because as i said you've had plenty of amateur mm. fights but like you know what are what are some of the major differences for you um i gotta switch mindset depending on what i'm competing in um jits i'm looking at uh 10 minute rounds um so it's about a mindset of uh, control and about mental endurance with jiu-jitsu. You really have to control the matches. You're doing multiple matches a day. The way I have to prepare myself for the, for the distance of the day, especially because I, as a brown belt, I competed gi, no gi, and then open weight in both. So having four divisions, let's say you have nine, ten matches a day, it's just a different person. See, in fencing, we used to do, you might do, five plus another five six eleven matches in the day and then you'll do teams at night so sometimes a comp could take 13 hours to get done um so i was very used to multiple mind matches finish a match put it behind you get to the next one boxing you just need to be really really good for that 12 minutes you just need to be on so it's all about intensity with striking for me with with jiu-jitsu it's definitely about an idea of like i said long longevity even for the day but boxing is just intensity if you can put the person away from the bell that's what you want to be doing and in regards to say like even weight are you happier to to change weight classes comp uh, like depending on what sport you're competing in or are you always going to try to match that same weight nah big time so um with the striking because of the 24-hour weigh-in i go down i go down to 70 or under in jiu-jitsu i'll be around the 74 mark and which one do you enjoy more Mm, I hate making weight for every single type of athletic anything. I just dislike making weight. But every single time I've been lazy and gone up a weight, you get a sense of how like big and strong they are and you just go right back to your little weight division again. Well, I guess, and I mean, that was what happened last weekend, right? Like uh, in the sense mm. of the main event, like I, I, I kind of go, you know, you, you look at Izzy and, and when he's at that right weight, which obviously to him is middleweight, he just looks unbeatable. He's, he's you know that talented that you could kind of go well as i said there was talks about john jones and him and then you know you get someone a little heavier and i mean it was a massive step because when you look at like most of the, the the weight classes it's only 10 pounds obviously from middleweight up to light heavy you're looking at 20 pounds so it is it is a bigger step but i i felt that the weight was really the the determining factor right yeah i felt like Jan didn't res respond to Izzy the way that they were expecting him to. The middleweights, um, don't know, Jan was falling for the fakes. He was playing the game, but the shots weren't doing the kind of damage that you're used to seeing from Izzy. As much as you say anything you want about his power, Izzy's been knocking everyone out. That's just the truth of it. Um, but Jan just kind of ate them, and he kind of, he just, it didn't seem to phase him. It didn't seem to bother him. It didn't seem to throw him off course. He, Jan tried to win every round of every fight where I've seen him in the middleweights with Costa. Costa just broke kind of mentally and started like receding to Israel strike. Jan didn't. He just kept trying to punch him in the face because I just, maybe it was the impact doesn't transfer. Maybe Jan felt confident because he was such a bigger individual in there. Whatever it was, it just didn't work. Well, I well, I've always said that though. Like it's 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 twofold, right? Like the first one is you're hitting someone who can hit you lot, a lot harder, right? Because they got a lot of weight behind them. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is on their end, as as you just mentioned, is like you're now hitting him with something that he's been hit with harder, right? Like he's used to something harder. So it's just like, but I, I especially when they got it to the ground, you know, like I just kind of felt like he. Mm. Hey, I mean, look, Jan's got you know good bjj skills but like i think having that extra weight it was just a lot harder to get him off right like like you just couldn't shift that weight yeah and it's not like jan was trying to progress his position and creating the openings for Izzy. he was locking it down he took a deep underhook he pushed that that shoulder down hard he took his head all the way over izzy's head and he just sat on him he just almost went like perpendicular on the boy and just sat him there that's all he had to do he didn't throw anything more than big shots until he got to full guard and then he was able to throw some elbows from there. But in the half guard and side positions, he played safe. He made that weight a factor. Does that make sense? By playing positions and using his weight to his advantage. I thought it was very smart. And then just do enough that you don't get stood up, right? Like it, it really right. is. Just do enough. Um, since we're talking about last weekend's fight, what, what do you think of the co-main? Um, co-main was Megan and Amanda? Yes. 
Oh man, um, I feel like the moment got to Megan. Hey, eh? I feel like just in that moment, it just seemed like she just froze a little. I think if she'd gotten past the first onslaught, she would have maybe loosened up and come good. But I just feel like she didn't switch on. Um, I don't think there's that much skill disparity in the striking like that it showed. I don't think she should just walk over and just punch her in the face and knock her out. That shouldn't happen. Megan's a great striker, but she didn't strike. See, where I think, like, with Megan, the one thing is she's probably one of the biggest girls of that division. Um, I just feel like she doesn't quite use her size. Mm -hmm. And and what I mean by that is, obviously, like, you look at, like, your John Joneses, right? And mm -hmm. they're long, but they're long because they know how to fight long. Yeah. And I, I think that's the one thing with Megan at the moment. I just find that she's so big, but she still hasn't quite worked out how to fight big, if that makes sense. Yeah, to be honest, there's a few things I watch her do that I always, I've always been confused with some of her approach, especially on the ground and her way she stands back up and stuff. But then again, you, I can have a fighter that I've trained and he does something one way in the gym every time. And then on the fight night, he does something I've never seen him do before. So I'm not going to say it's her trainer or her. It can just happen. You can have those mind blanks in fights. But she does one or two things where I wonder if that's the smartest way for her build. And obviously, we'll, we'll pick up one more fight of that card, which is obviously the, the Coco main event, which uh, was the third title fight, which ended in a weird kind of sequence. What, what were your thoughts on that fight? Look, I, everyone's getting on Aljo for wearing the belt. He's a champion. He can wear the belt. However, however he won it, they agreed to a rule set. Jan broke the rule set. He's the champ. Uh, Aljo is the champ. Simple as that. If he was allowed to cheat and Aljo was allowed to cheat, maybe Aljo would be the champ if he could illegally knee him in the head on the ground, right? But the rules are the rules and you broke the rules. So Aljo shouldn't hide from the fact that he's a champion, but they should rematch. If Aljo didn't rematch him, I'd have no respect for him, but... I'm gonna, I can't not let the guy wear the belt. He's the champion. It's simple as that. Um, I think Jan got done in by his corner there. I think Jan looked, apparently he looked up to his corner. His corner said, throw it, and he threw it because he was asking his corner if it was legal, and they said yes. But, that, but I guess that's the dispute right now is like, how can you be champion and not know the rules that you even have to ask your can't corner? Be. I mean, look, I, I, I'm in two thoughts about the whole thing. Um, obviously, it was clearly illegal um I, I i think it's unfair when people are like giving aljo a lot of grief right now um not his fault you know it's not exactly it's not his fault but a lot of people point in case to the john jones anthony smith fight and they're like well look smith did it and i'm like yeah but how did it, i said how did it work out for him right like obviously and the way i see it is now fighters are seeing it as a business right oh yeah and so like even for this rematch right now even if he didn't uh, even if he continued lost a would they give him a rematch if he lost and two even if he did he would come in as the challenger again right where this way regardless of how he did it like a he got his win bonus it's a straight paycheck there and two the next fight he's coming in as the champion so in my eyes it made business sense for him not to continue, whether there was a little bit of acting involved and all this. Look, I, I felt like he kind of handled it the right way. He kind of put the belt down in the middle of the cage and walked out. Obviously, since then, he's posted a lot of photos of him like holding the belt, and I think that got under a, a few people's uh, skin. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the same. He, he didn't do anything wrong. Um, do, I, do I think that in cases like that, they should have maybe just vacated the belt? I think that could be a, a definite option, um, right? Kind of like, you know, um, that it becomes a, a case of like someone missing weight for a title fight and it's just like they can't win the belt that way, right? Could that potentially be, be, be an option? Think Maybe. About this. If you shopped, if you make it through uh, your jiu-jitsu bracket, you get to the final and your guy no-shows it, you win. If you get there and he reaps you, you win. If he doesn't want to play by the rules that govern the champion then he's not the champion and you are because you showed up you didn't do anything illegal you made weight you trained you deserve it if he didn't do any of his requirements he doesn't he's not the champion right i think to get on a guy who made a very clever decision to make a considerable more money to feed and support his family if you're going to sit on your couch and and begrudge that then you're a fucking idiot because if i got $100,000, probably way more than that, to roll on the ground and hold my head when someone illegally need me and knowing that coming into that fight, I was clearly like not going to be as good as I could be fighting. Why the fuck would I get back up? That sounds a lot like Jan's problem, not like my problem. 
So. Exactly. And as Aljo said, like if he would have continued, it would have just been ego, right? It would have just been yeah, ego going. Let's, let's ruined his career. Right? And, and, and it really is. And as I said, the next fight, A, he's going to be on a bigger pay packet and he's probably going to get pay-per-view hits, right? So to me, Good for him. it, 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 didn't cheat. Good it for makes him. total sense, you know? Um, right. And as you said, rule, rules are there for a reason. So I, I you know... I, How he I, doesn't know them, I don't know. How he does not know the knee rule, I do not know. That's mind-blowing. Well, and, and this is the thing, because it's all, like, lost in translation as well. Like, I don't even know, like, were they saying knee as in, like, knee him? Or were they saying knee as in, like, saying the knees on the ground? Like, that's the <laughs> other thing that <laughs> I'm thinking. Like, like you know, like, I'm, I'm just saying, because you're hearing all these things, and it's like, what was actually being said, you know? Like, because I don't speak Russian either, so I don't, I don't know what's going on. Think about this. In the main event, Jan was trying to get security work from izzy by the end of the fight so obviously when it comes to translation <laughs> and things being spoken across the cage a lot's lost that's true so i want to ask you as well though like you're you're obviously in the middle of fight camp or or getting towards the end of fight camp um but obviously you're the head coach of karyotic mma and um I, i've been seeing on on the socials now you've actually got a a fighter competing um this friday yep um, I mean, she looks pretty experienced in the, in the sense of K1 and Muay Thai. Uh, I think she's had 19, 20 23 wins. fights now. Yeah, to, I uh, think she's 20, 20 or 21 wins for 23 fights around there. Right. Yeah. Um, so she seems pretty experienced, but this will be her MMA debut. Right? Uh, so she's had one MMA fight with a really cool story behind it. She went to uh, the Oceania Championships for K1, which she won. And then they, I said, look, the opponents pulled out for MMA in a couple of days' time. I think it was maybe a week's time. Do you want to jump in and fight MMA? She's never done a lick of grappling or wrestling. They, again, lounge room taught her how to try to do a few things. She jumped in there and actually lost a split decision. So she fought incredibly well for a girl. That every time she got taken down, they were just like, just stand up. So she just tried to fight her way up with no experience. So when I watched that fight, I really thought, you got to wonder what she'd do with a month of training, with six months of training, right? Where I feel she lost the fight was um, she actually, the girl was actually down on the ground in front of her during a scramble and her corner yelled to jump the back and try choke her. So she jumped the back. She didn't know about hooks or anything. It just fell right over the top. I feel like if she had just struck or if she had a better corner that day, maybe she would have won. But I think for her, it was just fine. She didn't care if she won or lost. But you got got to wonder if someone can do that much with zero grappling training, what they're capable of with some good training, right? And how is her training going right now? incredible um it's just she's got to be the hardest worker in the gym by by a bit like everyone works hard but she just has that extra she gives she's very talented to boot which doesn't hurt like i feel when it comes to mma as opposed to jiu-jitsu certain people are made for mma and certain people aren't a lot of body types and mentalities can do jiu-jitsu and be successful right it's a bit broader with mma you just have to be a certain type of individual to be good at mma and i feel like she's that certain type of individual and i mean this is kind of like a strange predicament uh, that you're in right because I've, I've spoken to coaches who have say multiple fighters in fight camp or even in in, in some cases on the same fight card so you have to like you know divide your time a little bit between fighters and 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 so forth um but i've never actually spoken to someone who's in fight camp for one of their fighters yet they're in fight camp for themselves as well what what is that experience like like does it make does it make things a little tougher does it make things a little easier um no, just tougher in in, in what sort of ways this is without a doubt being the hardest camp for me by a mile so uh last week and i had two kickboxers on i'm getting two boxers ready that are fighting with me in april uh three boxers now i had jacinta we put a lot of attention to this pro fight then obviously i got my kid now which is first fight camp i've done with a kid um and then running the gym the gym's never been busier so at the moment i've never had a fight camp be as stressful as this one no way and you don't find that maybe sometimes like concentrating on a fighter takes takes your mind off your task it to does. give you a little bit of release? No, not release because I bury myself emotionally, physically and mentally so much into their training that if I hold pads or I spend two hours with them and then I try to train myself, I'm usually empty by that time. So by the time I wrap up working with all the fighters and then I jump on the bag myself, I actually have to sit down for a good 15 minutes and just close my eyes or stare into nothingness to even have enough mental energy to train myself. That's been the big issue at the moment. And do you still find that you've been able to give her 
I guess, your full undivided attention or have you now put people in place to kind of um, take some of the responsibility, I guess? Nah, I've taken it full with her. So don't get me wrong, she has a kickboxing, very good kickboxing coach she works with. She has a wrestling coach she works with. Um, all the students always chipping into her training, but I would never, I would always favor her training over mine anyway. So my finger's been very on the pulse with her every day. Crazy. And speaking about wrestling, you guys have now uh, partnered up, right? With the, the wrestling foundation. Correct. Yeah. How, how did that all take place? So essentially, um, if you know anything about the scene of wrestling in New South Wales, it's very hard to get a wrestling program started. Reason being that the people you have to pick from are typically very good wrestlers themselves and they come into your gym and they want to train you to be like wrestlers. The jiu-jitsu guys do about two weeks of it, get their fill of it. They don't want to do it anymore. Someone who's trying something for the first time is going to jump into a wrestling class. By the time you've done the 35-minute warm-up, they're over it. So we had four different coaches and four different times the whole – it started with a bang and then every week there were less and less people so there were so few people that we couldn't run the program. Training was just too hard. It was literally just too grueling. They weren't. They didn't want to be Olympic wrestlers. They just wanted to learn wrestling. So the Wrestling Foundation started a grassroots program where they build wrestlers up from the very basic, literally from how to stand. They don't let any live wrestling until you've a grade two, which means you've done up to 24 weeks of wrestling already. And they train you to be competent as opposed to really fit and work really hard, which is, I feel like, where it had been lost in the past. So they're creating a following now that is creating probably the biggest wrestling community in New South Wales ever. And they're, they're, they're growing so rapidly now that it's something you obviously want to get on board on for my own selfish reasons of wanting to get much better at wrestling, to want to teach wrestling because they allow you to teach it because it's a program where they teach you and then you teach it as opposed to them coming in and controlling it. But they're creating a wrestling community, which means MMA as a whole in New South Wales is going up, which means my stock and my profession and the level is going up, which I love the thought of that. See, and it's, it's crazy where you talk about that you, you were losing people in the class because it is so grueling, right? And, and I've always said, like, I find that wrestling is the one thing that we're weakest at. And not even New South Wales, I would say nationally, yeah, right? We, we, we just, when you look at the States and they have it all through the, out their schooling systems and stuff, I say it's the one thing we miss. But it's when people ask me what the best base is for MMA, I also say it's wrestling. And, and for two reasons, and, and the first is you dictate where that fight goes. Um, and secondly is exactly that grueling mentality, right? So I, I always say it's it's funny that you see these wrestlers and even if they're in a bad spot, they just they have this mentality. And I think that's the important factor of the whole wrestling thing to kind of overcome. You know what I'm saying? So like a classic example and I, I've said this to a few people is I, I had a talk I don't know if you ever knew Paulie he was a boxing coach and we had a talk about it and he said yeah it's the same thing he goes like with BJJ for instance like if you feel like your limb's about to break you've got a way out right like yep. you tap you you know I mean I know that there's some people that the ego gets involved and they say they'll they'll mm. black out before they tap out but generally speaking it says if you're in a tough spot there is a way out where with wrestling the mentality is there is no way out you keep grueling you keep yeah. fighting and i think um you know that really plays a lot when it comes to like the mentality especially of the champions as well like you see a lot of them they have a heavy heavy wrestling background also remember in wrestling unlike jiu-jitsu unlike in boxing you can't step back you can't stall you can't waste time you can't hold position it's work is promoted when work is promoted as one of the um, like tenants to being a good wrestler, you develop a mentality of wanting to break people with your work rate, where that exists in boxing and jits, but it isn't mandatory. In jits, I can hold up the first eight minutes of the match and come good in the last two. In boxing, I can circle the ring and I can avoid my opponent. I can burn two rounds out of 12 easy. You cannot do it in wrestling. There's only fight. There's only forward in wrestling. So you don't have a back out. You don't have a stop. You don't, it doesn't make sense. It's only fighting wrestling. So that's all they learn. And do you think Khabib's the best to ever do it? Mm, see, you know what the problem is? You get a sense of how good they are depending on who they fight. Does that make sense? Like Roy Jones never gets uh, the 
credit he deserves because there was never that person to to test him and him to overcome. By the time people did beat him, it was on the tail end. So you have no sense of how good he was when he was good because he demolished everyone. Khabib's destroyed everyone to a point where you got to wonder, like, I wanted to see him get tested and overcome, but he smashed him so bad. He's either better than you even think or he just came in an era where maybe it won't solidify his greatness, but God, he's got to be in the discussion. He's got to be the top three discussion. But I mean, like some of the opponents he's faced, I mean, they're, they're not slouches. No, they're right? top of like, the top, but they right. haven't tested him. So you just don't know the depth of his like skill. Maybe he just got them where he was good every time and the fight went his way. And you know what I mean? Like, at least when you see, like, it was kind of like Tyson had this air of he's got to be the best ever until he was tested and he failed. And then he lost that air of greatness. He was always a killer, but he's not considered even in the conversation at the top. Ali lost and came back and won and then came back and won the belt again and then came back and won the belt again. So you have a sense of his greatness because he showed that that resilience and test of time and he fought over three generations and... Khabib's come in, kind of had a really weird time period of years of being injured, missing main fights. We don't know who this guy is. And he's had three years of just straight blasting the entire division. So, and now he's quit. So you kind of, it, it's a different one. At least GSP did it over time. GSP had those tests. He overcame them. Then he had like, you know what I mean? He, we followed his career over years. So in your mind, you had always told yourself GSP was the best or Anderson was the best. Khabib, I feel like he's a few fights away from from saying, hey, it's it's definitely me. Because then you've got to argue Cejudo, right? If you're talking like combat athletes, but if you're talking best fighter of all time, Khabib has to be in that argument right at the top. I wasn't necessarily saying best fighter. I, I was more just talking specifically on the wrestling, you know, like that he's the best wrestler that we've seen. Um, oh, no, Cejudo would be the best wrestler because of the Olympic gold. You'd say by, by merit he would be. Daniel Cormier, and that's up top. Who's used their wrestling the best ever in, in MMA? Yeah, Khabib. Yeah, crazy. And when you talk about like the 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 Ali conversation, um, you know, obviously he he's up there in 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 the greatest sort of talk, but obviously you got Floyd. Different era. Yeah. Uh, how 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 would you see that? Um, you know why Floyd will never be considered the greatest, even though by all arguments he absolutely should be. He ducked the fight with Pacquiao when it mattered. And that's why he'll never get respected because Ali fought everyone at their best. He fought Frazier three times. He fought Norton twice. He fought Foreman when he was undefeated, young, powerful, and he finished him. What has Floyd done? He just decisions everyone. <laughs> He's decisioned all his fights. He avoided Pacquiao like the plague. Um, he made excellent fighters look really novice. Like what he did to Marquez was unbelievable after time off. Um, but the Pacquiao fight's always a stain for him. You fought Pacquiao after his prime when you had the match there five years earlier. And he, he spent, he went to such lengths to avoid the fight with Pacquiao that it almost made him seem like there was a reason why he was so scared of Manny. So then to come out and beat him now when it didn't have the same weight or value, it's very hard to argue he's the best of all time. Like I said, people will rate someone like a Chavez or a Duran or a Holmes or someone, like I said, that had a more storied career where they fought the best at the best time. And they'll actually rate them over, over Floyd. Yeah, right. I mean, the, I, I guess the only thing is, and, you, and you're right, he did, I guess, pick timings of Timing. fights. However, like he didn't really pick fights. I mean, when you look at his resume in that 50 and zero, like he has They're pretty much, he, he has pretty much fought everyone there yeah. is to fight, right? Yeah. Did he pick the times to fight him in? Sure. Um, but not like Manny. He fought the other guys at good times, but the Manny fight was a clear ducking. Five years of, of avoiding Manny at all costs. Maybe a little longer, to be honest, but five clear years of avoiding the, the best pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world. The greatest beat everyone that's why they're the greatest ever do it floyd didn't do that so he that's why people just don't give him that mantle where really he really should look at his boxing skills like how can you argue anyone's actually been a better pure boxer than floyd ever you know what i mean his his comprehension of boxing is is might never be seen again but you gotta fight man in his prime and so i guess from there we'll go into your little boxing debut now i wouldn't even say little i mean it's 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 on the card to be on, right? Like, it, it's kind of crazy. How did that all come about? Um, so I was actually looking to go pro the day after Jacinta. So she's fighting Friday night. I was going to fight Saturday night because um, I told myself this was it was time to get the pro boxing thing finally done. 
Um, and then I actually got a phone call out of the blue from someone I'd never spoken to asking if I wanted to be on the card and fight someone. So it's just completely out of the blue. I don't know how he got my number. I don't know how he, how it all worked out. And I just said yes on the spot and we we're in. Have you been sent the contract or was it a bad prank? No, no. Well, look, we're on there. We're like, thank God the guy's been in contact with me. He's been giving me all the details. He's advertised the fight and whatever. So we're going ahead, but no, no contract yet. Actually. Good point. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> how, how many days have we got? I don't <laughs> no, know. I don't I even know. know. But yeah, so it, it, so obviously you you definitely wanted to turn into pro boxing. Yeah. Is this something that you're you're then I guess gonna start chasing, or is it is it more or less that you you you're happy to have a few and 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 put it on the mantelpiece? Yeah, look. So I've got that one on the thirty first, then on the sixteenth of April, sixteen days later, I'm already booked again. So once I get the once I get two pro fights done, you got to kind of take a stock take of where you're at and see what you want to do about it. Um, I think with such a big fight in my lap in three weeks, it doesn't. I don't think past it. Does that make sense? There's so much going to be involved in just winning this fight because when you fight on events this big, unless you've got a big backing or a, like a name already in boxing, you don't get easy fights. And I haven't by any means taken an easy fight. You know what I mean? The guy was the runner up from New South Wales to make it to the Olympic tryouts, you know what I mean? So he, he's hot business as an amateur. Turning the pro, the hype's definitely on him, but I think because I'm so unknown in that space, because um, I'm known as a boxing coach as opposed to a fighter, I think um, I'm going to maybe give them a bit more trouble than they're expecting in this fight, you know what I mean? But it's not in any ways an easy fight. Even if it goes my way completely, this guy knows exactly what, what what's going on. And do you know much about your opponent? Um, I'd seen him around before. My guys had sparred him before. Um, he's been, he's boxed from a very young age. He's had a lot of years of fighting. Um, I'd never, I'd never, I'd always watched him and known he was good. I'd seen him in the amateurs. I saw him in state titles. I'd always known he's a good fighter. I never imagined that I'd be fighting him. I never looked at him as an opponent. And so, what gives you that confidence? And and when I say the confidence, like obviously to be booking another fight kind of like because some people would say you're overlooking him right by by booking a fight i guess so close to to this fight uh just always the way i've done things so i booked i fought four times in a week once i fought uh first kickboxing title i won two weeks later i was on again a week later i was on again i booked myself out like that i do i usually fight in clusters because i find the, uh, it's just easier for me to get prepped, bang the fights out, and then rest. So I've always done it this way. It's just nothing new for me at all. And what happens in the case that I, I say, and I look knock on wood, but say you take uh, a significant amount of damage, um, what happens? Yeah, so I'm, I, I let the promoters know that's a big contingency. They know straight away. And they said the same to me. We're not stupid, Alex. We know how it works. If you're injured, we understand. So I, w I'd, I would never put a promoter out like that. But let me guess, they've sent you the contract. Yeah, <laughs> so, techni no. so technically you signed up to, to, to fight on the 16th, but we're, we're, we're just hearing rumours that you're fighting yeah. on the 31st. No contract signed yet anywhere. <laughs> I'll sign in the week of the fight. That's crazy. So I guess was it just... A it, it was just, I guess, an opportunity that aroused, right? Like it's, 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 because it as I say, it's a massive card in a sense, right? Like, because at the moment, like Tim is... I guess the golden boy of Australian boxing now. Yeah, he's the guy. The um, at the end of the day, when you've been around for a while, like I have, no one can ring you and say, "Hey, do you want to fight in the Newcastle Entertainment Centre on TV uh, on Tim Zoo's undercard?" You're going to say no. Does that make sense? No way. So, um, hey, the the door opened and I I walked through it. You know what I mean? The opportunity came and I took it. Simple as that. I wasn't going to say no. Without doing dollars a cents but like you know is is it a pretty penny um they pay significantly more than the local shows as they should in the local shows so when i fight in my own place in my own suburb in hornsby i would won't even ask for a purse there's no point i'll make so much on ticket sales as it doesn't even matter you know what i mean i'll just ask for a margin on ticket sales with these there's no sense of ticket sales and there is so many ticket sales that yeah they pay significantly better than the next guy yeah crazy crazy well man like it's 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 one of those things man like as I, as i said i was like really like as soon as i heard that you were having your pro debut i was like here we go and then like i had no idea like that it was on the tim card right yeah. and then i was like damn like that's that's definitely a card to 
I mean, I, I guess it's a card to do your debut on. I mean, mm. if it goes bad, it's a bad card to do your yeah. debut on, right? Like it really is that. But um, your camp's been going well. Uh, you're obviously on point in, in regards to your training, your weight and all that. Like, Yeah, look, I, I'm never going to be in a training camp not thinking I can train harder. It's just my mentality. Um, so up until the week of the fight, I generally am always thinking I can do more. Um, just my attitude towards it. But um, with the way things are going now, with the way I'm, how comfortably I'm doing multiple sparring rounds, it's making me confident that my four rounds is going to be comfortable. The issue is I've never fought at an entertainment center before in front of that many people and that many cameras and the walkout and all that. So that, that drains from you in its own way. Um, I'm more working on mentally preparing myself to make sure that doesn't affect my energy levels and my focus. And who have you been using as um, training partners for this? I did see that you obviously did some rounds with uh, Ross uh, from Central MMA. Yep, yep. Um, but have you been bringing any specifically boxing uh, sparring partners yeah, in also? absolutely. So I've been doing sparring at three places at Training Grounds in Crow's Nest because we've been getting a little uh, group together there from different gyms. Uh, Focus Boxing, Ronnie always helps me out, always arranges me really good level uh, sparring. And then obviously Central Coast to work with Ross. So me and Ross will punch out X amount of rounds in a row and then he puts me through some pads at the end just to burn it out. But um, funny, I haven't been able, I haven't actually suffered from finding good training this camp. Um, I think being a coach and knowing every other coach, if I turn around and say, hey, can I have a favor? No one's turned me down. You know what I mean? It's, it's lucky when you don't, you're not really threatening their guys as a fighter. Does that make sense? They know you're a coach, so they're very happy to help you. And do you find that the sparring when it comes to boxing is much different from MMA? Um, and I say that looking from the outside. I, I, I find like, obviously, I find that MMA sparring is a little more controlled, if, if that makes sense. Because sometimes when I like see these guys boxing, um, it looks like a full-blown fight. Like, obviously, they're wearing the headgear and everything, which is a little bit of protection. But I just find... I don't know. I find with MMA, like people always say, you know, go 60% or, or notch it up to 70, 80%. But I find sometimes with these boxes that they're, <laughs> they're throwing lever 100%. Like, it, it, is that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, MMA, I'll always be working at that uh, 50 to 80 range. Um, in air boxing, I'll be working 80 to 100 range. So when we spar, you're going hard. Um, yeah, so I'll do a lot of sparring at 100. Um by the time you got the full kit on, you take shots, but you're not taking big shots. But I can't prepare for boxing not going, not sparring 100. I can prepare for MMA. Like in my MMA fight, I maybe sparred twice, I think, for that whole time. I didn't even spar for that fight. Uh, boxing, I wouldn't dare. I have to sp I have to get my very hard sparring in before I fight boxing. Crazy, crazy. All right, well, the last thing that I'm going to kind of bring up, and then we'll, we'll see if we can maybe get a question from, from the old clubhouse. Um... But uh, I also saw that you're an IMAF accredited coach. Um, obviously, IMAF is still a little new. Um, so from from your kind of perspective, what what is IMAF, um, you know? Um, and yeah, as I said, like once you're accredited, like what does that bring to the table? So the idea was I did the course, the coaching course initially because I wanted my athletes to be able to compete in the IMAF, um, the IMAF. Uh, tournaments right uh, the problem was pretty much as IMAF was gaining some traction COVID kind of happened so now a year later um, I don't really know um, if IMAF gets built the way they were hoping it to it will take over the whole amateur scene everyone should want to get their fighters into a national team or a world championship setting I think it's fantastic you get to fight multiple fights you get a fight around the whole world who wouldn't want to do it but um, it just seems like without travel, the whole IMAF uh, model doesn't make sense because it's built on international competition. So at the moment, I'm sitting tight with it. Um, and I really hope they get to rebuild and get to do what's on their agenda. Because if they do, that is such a big thing for Australian amateur MMA. It would be really important. So I wanted to get involved initially. But then, like I said, out of their control, it's kind of fallen off a bit. But so what you're saying is in in regards to having your fighters fight on IMAF, you have to be accredited. Is that how it works? Yeah. 
that was the idea. And uh, to be honest, part of me doing the coaching course is to have a sticky beak as well. It just landed. This was the very first course, and I had to go dig around and see what was going on, who was involved, how it was being run. So a lot of it was out of thinking, okay, if this is as big as it can be or as it is overseas, I want to kind of be involved early so I can sniff it out. Nice, nice. Well, um, here we go with the uh, guinea pig ex- experience uh, or experiment, I should say. Um, I'm going to open up the line to uh, the clubhouse, um, which you will shortly be joining. And hopefully um, we'll have some questions coming through. So we'll even see if anyone's got their mics on. So um, oh, hello, there we go. We, we've definitely got someone online. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to shut up for a minute um, and, and I'm going to throw it to these guys and see what kind of questions they can come up with. Hey, hey, well, interesting, Sarah. That was really cool. Thank you, guys. Um, you mentioned that, you know, certain types of people are built for MMA, but you didn't really talk about what you think that is. Can you kind of explain what you see in certain athletes that makes them, you know, perfect for MMA? Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, obviously, there's no one set personality or build or mentality uh, for MMA, but there has to be... There's a certain amount of punishment, for example, you'll take in a boxing fight that you won't in a jits comp, right? In a boxing fight, I need to stay on my feet even if I'm taking damage. Um, in a jiu-jitsu fight, I can avoid physical harm if I don't like getting hit in the face, for example. So I have already two different kind of natural personalities that gravitate towards one or the other. MMA, you just need this special kind of grit because... When you're getting grappled and struck at the same time, particularly when you're trapped in, say, a crucifix or mount position and you're getting your face punched in, to kind of have the personality to fight your way out of that or to be into a deep submission and be bleeding from your face and to have the, like, resiliency to hold on, it's just, for me, it's always been a different kind of grit and a different kind of athlete is required for MMA. Yeah, mate, and is that something that you think you only see you know, once you put them through some tough rounds or put them through a hard training session, or can you pick that when someone walks in the gym? You can, you, you can pick it in the gym for sure, but you know what? Some people surprise you, eh? Some people on fight night just become this different person. And then some people who are the big gym commander can fall apart with the nerves on the night and become cowards. You know what I mean? You can, yeah. most of the time you can tell it, give or take in the gym, but on the night, different people become, you become a different person and fighters become a different person on the night. So if you have that person in you that can so that can have that grit and that tenacity to win an MMA fight. If you don't have it, then it's a cage isn't where you want to find yourself, in my opinion. That's for sure. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Now, just because I know who, who was asking that question, I'm sure she'll, she'll also have a dieting question for you. Do I now? <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's always my question. Do you have, you know, a specific diet that you follow or... Like, are you under any of the nutrition fads that are kind of going on or do you just do whatever? I think if you're preparing for your first fight, I strongly recommend you get some help with your diet. Strongly recommend. Um, There are people, professionals that will help you and there are systems that will help you. Um, I think that need, the person needs to be sport-focused and they need to be youth-focused. They need to not be something you grab off the internet. Someone needs to know your height, your weight, your BMI. I think when you've done it for as... Like, I've competed since I was 11. You know what I mean? I've made weight for as long as I can remember. For me, I, I know my body well enough to understand how it works. But if I'm in my first couple fights, get a professional to help you. So many fighters... Um, starve themselves because they don't know how to eat and their their performance in the training room is so bad because I'm finding out they're eating 800 calories a day. I don't know who on earth would be able to train and survive on 800 calories a day, but they kind of found out on the internet, if I eat 800, then I can lose weight. And I I strongly suggest if you don't have your own system of getting it done properly. And on on that, I'll I'll, I'll follow up on that one is uh, only because I had the fight dietitian on there, uh, you know, uh, on the last series. Um, do you find that um, when, when you say for your first couple of fights to, to, to have a, a professional looking into it, are, are we talking specifically pro? Because when I spoke to the fight dietitian, he was kind of under the, not assumption, I, I mean under the theory that he, he reckons that at amateur level, you shouldn't be cutting weight. That was kind of his point of view. So 
Do, when, when you're saying the first fights, are we talking pro or you are you happy for your amateur fighters to be kind of cutting weight as well? Great question. If my fighter's in good shape and in good weight, um, he fights where he naturally falls. If I get a lot of clients that come quite big, we've had some lose, like for Wim to Worry, we had some lose 30, 33 kilos and 35 kilos. They did it in such a terrible way that they blew up again afterwards in a big way. Um, just to give you an idea of the value of the fight dietitian, Jacinta's making her pro debut, first time at 52 kilos. She's been working with him the whole camp. He's done her wonders. So I'd never spoken to myself, but she couldn't praise him more highly. So I'm happy to give him that shout out here. Yeah, and, and look, what I got from him, obviously, as well, is I, I like the fact that I find that there's two types of uh, people in this kind of field, right? And that is, one, they see it as a business, right? And as long as you're willing to pay the, to have them on, on, on your side, they will do what they can, even if it kills you. Um, what I really liked about uh, Geordie when I spoke to him was the fact that he has a very mathematical equation of how he wants to safely bring a fighter down. And if he feels, um, I mean, he was even talking, he's got a clause in the contract with fighters that basically he gets the final say. And if he feels that um, he can't get you to make weight safely, he will literally say no to the fight. Like, and, and that is one of his kind of conditions when you bring him on board. And, and I kind of like that because he, he doesn't just see it as a pay packet. I mean, obviously he's doing well. He, he, he's got the top of the top uh, elite athletes on New Zealand and Australia. But I kind of really like that he, as I said, he, he's kind of really trying to narrow it down to a science. And he's also very upfront and honest about that. He doesn't believe he knows it all right? He, he says, look, we're still kind of in that field where we're trying to uh, figure stuff out, but he's trying to do it in the safest way possible. So that, that was one thing that I, I, I can really appreciate on him. Yeah, look, like I said, if you're trying to lose big amounts of weight, do it properly. If you're talking, I'm within three kilos of where my coach wants me, I probably don't need, it. I just need to cut out a few things, be a bit healthier. But when you get, like I said, when I saw those people in my gym do those big crash weight losses, like I said, they were eating 800 calories a day. They made the fight and then all blew up again. And they're so upset with that. They've ended up back there again. I honestly said to them, look, I think it's time you get some proper help with how to actually structure a diet and training because what you're doing now, eating the, those uh, low calorie protein bars and stuff that from the servo, that's not a diet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people see those things as meal replacements. <laughs> crazy right because i i had the same on my series we had a couple of people it's like what are you eating it's like one protein bar yeah and i'm like exactly right, <laughs> right? It, it, it's kind of it's kind of like i'm waiting for people to turn up and go what's your diet and they're like the tea diet what's that i just drink tea <laughs> what you're not actually eating anything uh, no nah, just drink tea you yeah. know like um and, and and that's the one thing with a lot of these diets um you know a, a, a lot of people don't give it a fair chance either and and uh, you know i've seen people and they try diet and if they haven't lost five kilos in the first three days, they jump ship and go on to the next one. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Hey dude, like, and, and I guess that's where a professional helps because you kind of then put your trust into someone else. Um, but it's kind of crazy. So look, I think we're going to wrap it up unless I, I, I guess I'll, I'll just throw it one more time to see if there is any more questions from the clubhouse. And if there is speak now, if there isn't, we are going to wrap things up. Um, so it seems pretty silent on the other end. So that's all good. Um, so yeah, man, like for, for people that, I mean, they can't even purchase tickets to your event anymore, right? Like, because I, I think the, the, the boxing card is, is officially sold out. Yeah, cool. So, um, so people that want to watch you, uh, fight, like where, where is it, is it obviously, is it going to be Fox sports or, or is it a pay-per-view card or what, what's the deal with that? That's a great question. I've been waiting to find out. Um, I think, look, when when it's close to the fight, it should be all over socials anyway. Um, I'll chuck it up on my personal page. Um, my assumption was at first that it was going to be by Fox, but then I haven't seen any advertising for Fox Sports, so I believe it'll be a pay-per-view style system. Okay, sweet. So on, on that, um, this is this is the time where I always tell people, like, if, if people want to follow your, your journey or if people want to come train at your gym or so forth, uh, or they want to figure out how to watch your fight, what what are your socials you know um obviously where's your gym located all that kind of stuff uh yeah if people want to reach out how do they get in touch yeah man so the gym karaoke mma is located in hornsby um you uh you'll always find us from a, a simple google search um if you want to track 
uh, what we're doing, jump on our Carried MMA Insta. Um, if you want to follow uh, my lead up for the fight, because I'm going to be putting out some more content about things I'm doing and how I'm prepping, chuck on uh, jump on alex.carioti, the one you're probably seeing underneath my face during this podcast. Um, other than that, we're very open for people to come to train. I know Hornsby isn't uh, a central location, but the reason I like that is we have a lot of people you probably never worked with before. We've got a lot of higher belts. We've got pros, amateurs. We've got a good wide range of athletes there. So we, we love visitors. Well, there you have it, man. I, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I mean, I, I say that with all guests, but I really can't because I know it's always hard, you know, being the first uh, of many and you, you've obviously been first and twofold, which is the first of this series, but also, as I said, the first one to, to try out this little clubhouse experiment. Um, look, I, I wish you the best of luck on your debut um, to the point that I hope it all goes well enough that you can actually back it up two weeks later. I think that's a heavy task and I, I, I commend you for that. And I think it's a little crazy, but look, we'll, we'll see how your journey goes. But man, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hopefully get you back at some stage, maybe even after the fight um, and, and we can talk how it all went. Um, would love to get some of your fighters on there. Um, maybe Jacinta uh, after her fight, if, if she's available. Uh, but look, as I said, all the best. Thank you again. And um, yeah, until then, this is it. Everyone stay blessed. I'm away. I'm away. Why?